0: Hey, good morning. Welcome to the offices of JB Hunt. And with me today, I have our president and CEO, John Roberts, to really have a good conversation with all of us around how we think about our cycle of innovation and more specifically, how we're really viewing digital transformation inside our company. Now, as we think about being a legacy organization of nearly 59 years inside our organization, and we think about where we need to take the company, digital transformation has set front and center for our organization really over the last several years. And if I think about how we have viewed that digital transformation, we've really done that from what we consider the cycle of innovation. We really think about that and how do we need to be disrupting the way we've always thought in our past 59 years for our future. Maybe ways that have worked in our past, but won't necessarily work in our future, or that can be better. Our second piece of our cycle of innovation is really, how do we adapt as an organization? How do we adapt with our customers, people we do business with? And then at an individual employee level, how do we think about that differently? And then finally we will have a conversation around the third cycle inside elevation or inside innovation which is accelerate and how do we think about accelerating the company for the next 59 years and so john i really want to turn immediately over to you to really think about you have led our organization for the last 10 years What do you really think necessitated um, the idea of digital transformation for our organization?
1: Well, good morning, Shelley, and thanks for the opportunity to to have this discussion. Uh, I am uh, thrilled with the ways that we can communicate differently, even in the midst of this challenging time. So this is a little unique, but it, it works. I have the the good fortune and blessing of having been here for almost 32 years inside J.B. Hunt. And the one thing that has remained constant here is uh, evolution and adapting to the needs of our customers and allowing ourselves to be able to change. And I think the digital transformation discussion is really one that hits right in the center of, of that overall idea of entrepreneurialism and moving towards the better answer. And, and I know that if I look back on that 10 years, the first five or so of, of my 10 years as CEO were really kind of almost the accelerate phase of the prior innovation, where we had built some wonderful ideas answering some really good questions for our customers. And so we we really took advantage of that but as we kind of got to that five-year mark it started to feel like and you know this well because you were right there with me that there there were changes in the air around how we were going to do business and it always kept seeming to come back to that that technology that enablement of information and how we put that information together in a way it was a little bit defensive in the beginning because we had this mainframe speaking of legacy this kind of really, really rich model that's 20 years old, that's no longer giving us what we need. So we started talking through a modernization and, and that that evolved, that conversation really opened up to what else could we do if we had, you know, more bandwidth and, and flexibility and access and and what would we be able to do for our customers, our people, with more data? And I just think that that began a very, very important conversation for us back around that five-year mark, coming out of that, you know, prior phase of innovation. And, and as you and I talk a lot about these cycles, you know, when I look back and see that, I see us really making sure we did well with what we had built. And then recognizing early that more change was coming and that's where that that digital um, uh, evolution, modernization, expansion really presented itself
0: you know john that reminds me of a marketing meeting we had and this was early on this was back in you know 2012 2013 and actually our customers had been asking us for a way to connect more online and we developed our very first phase of shipper 360 working with just a handful of customers and in that marketing meeting our head of marketing said you know, our customers have hit Shipper 360 800,000 times. And I I remember thinking, wow, you know, we haven't advertised, we haven't really talked a lot about it, but that was surprising how much um, people wanted it. But he said, what I think you'll be more surprised is the fourth most trafficked reason people come to jbhunt.com is if they were a carrier trying to do business. And they did that 1 million times. And that for me was a moment where I thought, wait a minute, that that one place that they come to is actually embedded in our website. You got to go through a, a big maze to get there. And it was a 10-year-old web page. And they'd done that one million times. It was in that marketing meeting, John, that I remember us all sitting there saying, wait a minute, it was an aha. We actually have both components of a marketplace. Mm. We have the shippers, we have carriers. What if we were to think about this more strategically, what could we do? How could we disrupt ourselves? And so John, I wanted you to talk a little bit about that from our leadership team, because from that meeting, you actually took us through this conversation, multiple conversations to really help us think as a leadership team that disruption that a marketplace uh, would do for our company. Can you talk a little bit about how we had to disrupt our own thinking even at the executive level?
1: Yeah, the, the, the evolution of the company has, has shown us over and over in when we started Intermodal that the base business we had could evolve. Then we I think about the brokerage business that, that was really a, a competition in a way to our uh, connection to our, our assets. And, and those things were allowed to live and, and breathe. And they felt natural, but what we didn't really fully embrace, you and I and other members of our leadership team have become very uh, um, focused on and disciplined in really executing Mm -hmm. on the plan we have. I actually think I see the book behind you there that was one of the texts that we processed together on disruption Disruption is a great theory. It's wonderful to read about and hear about and and kind of watch from the sidelines. And, and what we've learned together is it's a lot harder to do. Uh, and, and I think we were seeing that pretty early. And I think that's why the leadership team needed to first educate itself, mm-hmm. get familiar with the, the reasons people get in trouble. We, we studied two books, as you know, and they told us, is that leading disrupt back there? That orange one, um, the, the the two books that we we started yep. with, one was The Innovator's Dilemma, right? And that yep. is a um, really pretty dated textbook on why innovation gets stalled. And then the next one was a follow-up to that book called Lead and Disrupt, and that book taught us what to do with what we learned from The Innovator's And And we actually, as an assignment, like we were back in school, got Mm -hmm. copies of the books, assigned reading, and everybody was to take notes and process. And and then we came together and started to scratch our heads and say, how can we do this to ourselves? How can we employ these ideas of startups don't always work like mature businesses and investment might not present itself as a great idea soon enough to make you comfortable much of what we've done up to that point had been more rigid, more um, analytical, more engineered. We do this pri- pricing as a science, you know, equipment utilization is is full of industrial engineering base. And now we're going to go and let ourselves try things that we hadn't tried before. That to me was probably the breakthrough that that discussion where we found ourselves able to embrace this idea that we needed to go do something that was gonna be uncomfortable. And and quite frankly, it was more uncomfortable than I ever thought it would be. But it's also, I think the most important decision that we've made since we decided to enter the intermodal business or since we decided to enter the brokerage business, frankly dedicated is, is more of an evolution than a disruption. Because it's just an additional quality that we can bring to the customers and other businesses that we're in. But the the ability to go out and really intentionally be disruptive and fully embrace it. You and I've had some great debates even recently about you know remember what we learned. <laughs> our I think that was last week maybe, yeah. but and, and you're right on about that. I mean that that's the that's the. That's where the magic happens in disruption, is being able to hold on long enough. Now you can actually, you and I know, we can look at some of the data we're seeing and see that we continue to find that disruption of four or five years ago, that's comprehensive really in nature, but was sort of triggered by that, hey, there's a million people in here looking for loads. We're we're gonna rebuild our mainframe. Hey, we've got tracking on all our equipment. What happens if we start putting those pieces together in a new way? Well, we could really have something special.
0: Yeah, and, and it is something that you took us through, John, and uh, constantly reminding because that that discipline around excellence while also trying to innovate and really push us forward in the future, that does have some conflict associated with that. But when I think about disrupt, we really were thinking about what the problem statement was. And in 2014, we wrote a white paper, it was called 660 Minutes, really articulated where do nearly three and a half million drivers spend their time and what was uh, just the opportunity and just an archaic way of doing business is of the 11 hours available to drive, nearly one third of all hours are completely wasted every single day by all three and a half million drivers and in that paper we did a great job really saying okay where are all the waste points in the system and how can we approach that from a people process and technology so we obviously attacked it from a people side a process side but the biggest opportunity was actually around technology and that's what created that launching point for jb hunt 360. Our multimodal digital freight platform. For us, we believe that we can eliminate the waste that's in the system that currently exists for those three and a half million drivers. If we were able to give just one hour back, John, that would still have nearly three hours of waste, but one hour to drive more, make more money, or do whatever they choose to do. And that was really the aha And the moment that we said we can do something that impacts more than just our own drivers, we could actually impact the driving community. But one of the ways we had to think about that and disrupt was, okay, we have this idea of JBN 360 where we want to eliminate waste, but do we have all the wherewithal that's needed from a technology perspective? And so it was April of 2017 that we launched JBN 360, but also you articulated our commitment to 500 million dollars in technology spend over the next five years and John you did something that's that uh, is very different for our organization all of our executive team has actually grown up inside the company but you really did something very strategic for our organization and looked outside for our CIO or our, our then CIO was retiring, and you chose to look outside for that. Can you just walk through what necessitated that need uh, to really bring in someone from the outside inside this legacy company?
1: Yes, uh, I I think back on uh, when I was a segment president, and the um, way we look at IT and the expense associated with IT was cost center oriented. It was it was kind of have to, not want to, uh, and and that was nobody's fault. You know, the, the system we grew up on were ours, and they worked great and got us to where we were at that point. But we did go outside, and and what we started, what I started to learn by going outside was, oh, wow, there's really a lot more out here. There's really a lot more knowledge and experience, awareness for other systems, and and Stuart, who's our New CIO, not new anymore. He 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 tries to tell me he's the outsider. I said, no no, you're you're on the inside now. We're, there's no more of that stuff. You're part of the part of the clan. But that was that was so important, you know. And and it's really big picture idea because it wasn't just Stuart. It was Stuart's leadership and his ability to come in and really communicate what we needed. This gets to some of the sort of pain points of the disruption we were talking about earlier because. I actually talked to a senior executive uh, before and when I made those decisions about just that. And he told me that prepare for a lot of pain and suffering when you try to implement changes because your team is going to be very protective, and rightly so. And your new folks are gonna come in and they're gonna try to do what you're asking them to do, which is make change. And you mentioned it a minute ago, but that's like almost a natural conflict that's going to happen. And no, guess what? It it happened. It happened. I let uh, the company breathe in a lot of air around that initial time because we had been so cost center focused. And I think we all knew we needed to use technology as a differentiator, as an advantage, not as a defense. And we I knew and we all knew and I had to kind of make sure we got there was we got to spend some more money here. We're going to have to let ourselves invest in our future i have some of the best p l managers on the planet i'll tell you and that's where you get some interesting energy discussions around wait 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 and you know i'll say shelley technology is one of the most difficult things that we manage because it it doesn't behave like our equipment or even our people it's hard for us to see it and Get it in a box and make it, you know, do what we want it to do. And if it doesn't do exactly what we want it to do, we can't always as easily see why as we can with other things we're used to managing. And that amplifies the challenge. You know, we with Stuart, we uh, really let him build his team. He he picked a lot of people that were already here with us that knew our systems, knew our culture. And he went outside quite a bit and brought in new leaders with different skill sets. You know, we've we've significantly increase our staffing in our engineering and technology teams, I think by as many as 1,200 people. Um, we committed ourselves to a facility on campus that we opened just recently uh, that's very centered on the kind of envir- environment that we think is appropriate to, to learn and build in, our training and technology center. And so I think that all of that was the building uh of what we can now look back on and say you know that's how you start you got to make the commitment then you got to bring the right people in and you got to let them breathe a little while now let's be sure we all also know that's not a blank check forever uh we got ourselves to a place where we felt like we had a proper investment and and now there's more discipline in that area but i think that we're ready and 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 able uh, to to really look out and i see data I see facts. I see trends that really, really encourage me. I think we're very much on the right track here.
0: Yeah, I do too, John. And you talk about some of that change, the adapting that we had to do personally. Um, you talk about P&L managers and then these new bright technology ideas, you know, when you referenced, hey, we, we knew we couldn't get it down with the people that we had. Well, frankly, that's because we didn't have enough people. Right. Um, so our good people that were here, we needed them to keep doing a lot of the things they were doing, but we needed to create that investment. And that was significant. For our organization, investment in more people and new skill set, and certainly uh, in technology becoming a very big strategic initiative for our organization. But you also introduced to our company a new discipline. And I, I say this is probably one of our greatest uh, diversity and inclusion efforts that we have made, and specifically pushing us in innovation. And it's something that we call internally elevation, and that has some pain along with it too. Um, but I wanted you just to talk about that, because I think there's a lot of people that are wondering, how do we think about getting ideas from our own people that can be innovative and can push our organization? Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, the the idea actually came to us uh, through our board, and one of our directors uh, is, a, is a CEO at another company, and he had used this process very much to his satisfaction and this is a person that is a is a as good a manager as i know and so the credibility of the idea had an had an immediate presence for me and back in those days when we were formulating these ideas one of the things that i saw the company do in the past was try to reinvent its it strategy without dealing with its current issues, the, the the inefficiencies and the unneeded process and the stuff that wasn't going to live through to the other side, and it also presented a way to bring in new ideas, new thoughts, and it and it's and it also has a way of saving money, frankly. And so, when all that was sitting in front of us, it sounded like if we're getting ready to take ourselves through a digital transformation, let's clean up our shop, let's make sure we can hear everybody that's out there doing the work. Let's save some money if we can so we can reinvest that money back into these expanding teams and 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 uh, technologies that we need. And as we got into it, wow, it was disruptive. I mean, it, it was I mean, we use the term catalyst as, as for the team because they were going to show us the things that were not right. And as you know, it's a cross functional uh, setup where I don't worry about my. Part of the of the business, I look at your part of the business, and you look at my part of the business, and then we call out the things that we see there through all these ideas. I don't know if you have the number of ideas yet on hand, but I I think I know it's in the many thousands, and that that process, which is ongoing today, is chaired by the leadership team, takes an idea of any kind, cost saving or, or or new thought. Uh, values and vets the idea documents it in a in, a, in a, a a pro forma essentially presents it to our leadership gets either pushback or approved and then we monitor the progress of every single idea i actually think i got an email that your name is going up on the wall elevation wall of fame i'm i'm gonna be there when we celebrate that shelly but as you know it is open active managed uh, with with a great team of people where we can hear everybody talk to us. A driver can talk to us. A, a floor manager at a warehouse can talk to us. An IT person. Somebody in our shop. You can talk to us. A- anybody can be heard here. And I th- I think it was vitally important to stabilizing. So what we're building, we're building on at least a better process need than Hey, let's don't worry about what we're doing. We got everything right. Let's clean that up. And then and what we've learned is we should keep it going because it's not only a good way to start for your IT, it's a great way to to run the business. And I, I suspect it will live on for a very long time.
0: John, it was exciting for our people. I remember when I started 26 years ago, I had all these ideas and didn't really know who to talk to about them, or even if they were good ideas. I didn't know a lot about the company. This is a great way for all of our 30,000 employees to engage directly with our executive leadership team by submitting their idea. If they have a great idea to increase our revenue, reduce our costs, or just make this a better company, we wanna hear from them. And they get the opportunity not just to submit that, They also get the opportunity to hear directly back on what we thought of the idea and if we're going to go. And so far, John, we're well over 20,000 ideas uh, that have moved from our people. And, you know, we approved nearly it's it's over a thousand at this point. But one of the things I love about that, too, is some of our new technology ideas came out of elevation. And so that's the way we think about innovation from an employee perspective but you know we also think of innovation from our customers perspective and so you asked me three questions on a regular basis John leading commerce and it is what are our customers want is it logically adjacent and can we make money at it and so when we were thinking about digital transformation and even just new ideas we actually hosted our first customer advisory forum. And this was pre jbn 360 to give our customers a sneak peek as to what we were thinking about. And I remember in that very first setting, they actually disrupted our way of thinking because how we were coming to market, they said, we really love that idea, but what if you were able to take live load freight and include that with dropped trailer freight and thus born brand new our 360 box innovation and that was even before we launched that put us in motion to start thinking about that but that's been something we've done for a long time you've always said hey what do our customers want and it reminds me of a really great customer story that really launched one of our segments as an organization from a conversation that you had directly from that customer i thought maybe you could share that
1: yeah the um that meeting particularly was uh the kind of thing where I think we we embody that, that question. And and this particular story is is a similar meeting. It's a customer interaction uh, where we're talking about things we can do. Now remember, it's really important that the the, the culture at JB Hunt allows for these conversations to be real immediately because we know that if the customer wants it and it's logically adjacent and we can find a way to get a proper return on it. There's nothing else that, I mean, nothing else would be in our way. This particular discussion was with Whirlpool. And I think that th- this, this time we were in, I was running DCS and we had faced this headwind again, kind of like what we were talking about in the, in the twelve thirteen. you know, we're doing great. We're running the business well got good position, but we're gonna need something else. We're gonna need something more. And we need to get ahead of that because those things take time. They they don't, you, you should not start thinking about your next idea when you're, you, you need it. You should start thinking about it far in advance of when you think you're going to need it. One of the conversations I kept having with different customers was home delivery, final mile. And I, I had several discussions Uh, And this particular event took place where we were in an intermodal meeting talking with this very large customer about what's happening with that business. And on a break, I turned to the guy that I was I was working with and said, hey, we really have interest in getting into final mile delivery. We don't think there's a very good national footprint. This was this was probably what, 10, 11 years ago. And we don't think there's a great value proposition there. It seems to be things that we're go- going to be good at, customer service, utilization, communication. And uh, he, did, he said, well, there really is a gap. And I'll give you, he gave us, he said, I'll give you Little Rock to see if you can do it. And we shook hands. And, you know, kind of thinking about it now, it reminds me of, of the old days with, you know, Mr. Hunt riding around on a train saying, well, let's just give it a try and let's shake hands. And th- these these are great people uh you know we build so much trust uh because we we try very hard to keep our word. and and while it could be it, in the short term it can be a little bit painful that credibility over time is who we are and you can still shake hands if you have the right history and and relationship and go try something new we'll work out the details there's 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 always the right uh discipline to be taken there but we got in the business in little rock and it worked and then we went to tulsa and then we went to joplin and wichita falls and and then all of a sudden we found ourselves in los angeles and it it really um was very different in la and we were really struggling but we kept at it and we overachieved there. We took on one more large market. And next thing you know, we're in a conversation about a national conversion. As you said, it it turns into a channel strategy for the company, one that I believe will be a primary source of uh, value uh, presentation to our customers and investment uh, quality for the the people of the company and our investors over the long time, a, a main event for us. And it really did all come down to what does the customer need? Is it logically adjacent? Can we make a a, a return on it? And having the right conversations with the customer.
0: Yeah, I totally agree, John. And it reminds me of a a call that I actually made with one of our largest accounts Uh, about a year ago. That customer kind of started the meeting off to say, you know, I just want to tell you how I describe your company when I talk internally. And he was in the C-suite, he said, I really think you're a say-do company. If you say it, you're gonna do it. And you know, I brought that back, it stuck with me so much that I'm like, you know what? That is what I believe uh, builds our company, our company's trust with each other, our customers, the people we do business with. Um, and John, I think it's also our, our commitment, our commitment to what these new ideas are, being committed to being disciplined p and managers, but also committed to the new way of thinking, being able to disrupt ourselves being able to adapt and then finally our third phase john of cycle of innovation is really how we accelerate and so this year in february we had our national sales summit and we launched that as our key theme uh, accelerate and john there you actually unveiled Our new mission statement as an organization, and if I remember right, you actually created our first mission statement that at least any of us know and remember, and that was nearly 20 years ago, but we have now changed our new mission statement to create the most efficient transportation network in North America. Can you talk about the importance of that mission statement and why you decided to unveil that this year?
1: Yes and it is it is such a great step forward. Uh, I think a mission statement should set a direction and a calling. Uh, Our old mission statement served us well. Uh, I did participate in its creation but I don't think it's going to have the same impact on us that our new mission statement is going to have Uh, in that we have more work to do to create the most efficient transportation network in North America than we did to be the best serving the best. There's there's a, a little bit of um, subjectivity, whereas here we know what we have to go do. And how will we do that? Well, we have the basic blocks to work from. Our, our intermodal network is hugely Efficient, but the real opportunity and, and our fleets and dedicated are highly engineered and and a lot of waste is taken out there. But the real opportunity to me is presented in marketplace, where, as earlier you were talking about the waste, you know, I have attempted multiple times in my career to bring customers' networks together. I've seen it on paper work beautifully. uh one of my first assignments was to marry, all of the freight from a very large uh, corrugated company to a CPG company because they, the, the corrugated company was the largest provider to the CPG company. And it, we, we made it work on paper. But, and then, and then there are other examples of even companies that have been started that have tried to bring the two you know, um, energy sources, the shipper and the carrier, bring the shipper and the carrier together so that they can take advantage of taking that waste out. And and people have tried over and over. Here, we're seeing it now. That one hour a day is a winner for the shipper, for the carrier, and for the people that can facilitate the coming together of those parties. And by by using this technology in real time, with transparency, I am absolutely convinced, because it is a win-win-win scenario, that we will be able to demonstrate picking up that hour. What does that hour give us? It gives that carrier, as you said, more time to drive. That means they have an opportunity to make more money. That that one hour of waste taken out presents more capacity to our customers so they can take advantage of maybe a more fluid market. Probably we'll be able to get to better pricing because our carriers and ourselves are not going to have to price in that waste management because i'm not i'm going to waste three hours i'm going to deadhead the, at the end of the day the, this is the the ingredients are here we know the connection we know from the data that they, that the opportunity is is in front of us we just have to have the technology really work for us uh i believe that and and, and let me say one thing about the, the movement in esg and in uh, a, a real focus from business towards being more sustainable and more environmentally conscious. We has we have a duty, we have an obligation. Not only is this a great idea, we we have an obligation to push ourselves towards a more efficient transportation system. In our case, we're calling out to to, to present to create the most efficient transportation network in North America. And you and I have spent a lot of time talking about this and and how we got there. I believe the systems and technology will present us with the opportunity to take that waste out. And as because it is a winner for so many people, it will get the legs it needs, and we're already seeing it.
0: Yeah, we are seeing it, John. And uh, you know, as I wrap up our thoughts around acceleration, I really wanna just uh, have us look to the future. You've spent the last 10 years in the role leading our organization. You've seen the company triple the size of our business double the size of our customers, grow 6x the number of locations we serve, and now you've really introduced this whole digital transformation. Can you just give us the next 10 years? Uh, you know, how should we be thinking? How are you thinking? And uh, maybe just give us a little color on that.
1: We serve a market that we think is somewhere between 700 and $800 billion and growing. We are learning, have learned, and are learning how to present any transportation offering, either by our own assets or through the management of other companies' assets. I think that presents us differently to our customers than a lot of the people that we compete with. I think it gives our customers a reason to call us. And a reason to continue to build the relationships that we have together because we can get to yes. And if we can't get to yes, we're willing to try to figure out a way to build a way to get to yes. And so, you know, 10, it took us 60 years to get to 10 billion. I, I was here when the company reached 1 billion and my gosh, you know, we went from one to two. It felt like, a, you know, it's, I don't know the number, but let's say it took. 20 years to get to a billion, then it was two to get to two billion. And, and they, they, we use a term called the flywheel uh, mm-hmm. scale model here where there aren't a lot of limitations. If that addressable market is $750 billion and we're at 10, why couldn't we reach faster, farther, especially with automation? Now, you know, I do want to say we have a heavy reliance on our technologies, our systems, but the core of the work is done by our people. Our systems and technology only enable those 30,000 people you referenced earlier to do a better job. You and I both agree, this is not about replacing people. This is about enabling people. Uh, Our culture is very people focused and it's important that we call that out regularly. And when we have the right people with the right tools, with the market as big as it is, able to reach in as deeply as we can, I don't know why we can't go bigger faster. And since you're the chief commercial officer of the company, (laughs) I will be counting on you to help continue as you have to push that. I will say one other thing, Uh, before we entered our digital transformation, we were making serious investments to, Present a different value proposition to our customers and the people we do business with. I look at that daily flash every single morning, and it really starts my day off right when I see some of the numbers that that we're starting to see as the world embraces what we can present. As I say, it's good for all the people that are involved. It's an advantage for everybody. So we go to ten billion. It feels like twenty shouldn't take us. Nearly as long, but but we don't need to prescribe that other than to say in the next five years, I will be very surprised if we aren't talking about a meaningful expansion in our ability to serve our customers and all the revenues and values that that will present for us
0: well i agree with that john and you know your point of our 30,000 people making it happen every single day on behalf of our customers is really paramount to us continuing to grow our organization and we don't know how big we'll be but i will tell you we will create that efficiency that is necessary and needed for three and a half million drivers on the road there's something much greater in this than just moving goods from a to b it's changing lives and moving people forward I want to thank you on behalf of our organization and also on behalf of the Great Wave's live audience here for investing in time, talking about our digital transformation and also helping us think about in the cycle of innovation, how we can disrupt, adapt and accelerate.